I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. Today we're talking about millennial burnout. We'll, we'll talk about what it is, you know, what it looks like, how you can avoid it. And today with me to talk about it a little bit is Jessica Howes, who is a Let's Talent sourcer on our Let's Talent team. So Jessica, if you want to tell us maybe a little bit about yourself, what you do at Lutz, any random facts, mm-hmm. you are okay. getting married soon, aren't you? Yes, I'm getting married in a pandemic. It's yeah. really great. Yeah, November. Here we go. Good for you. Cool. Yep. We're trying. <laughs> but I am originally from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and got my undergrad at UNL and came up to Omaha. I will be celebrating one year with Lutz next month, which nice. is awesome. I can't believe it's gone that fast. I'm celebrating too. Really? Yeah. yeah. August 20. 20- First, maybe? I don't oh, know my gosh. Means. I'm like the 24th, so we're yeah. like right there. Yeah. We'll have to get a cake. Cool. Yeah, we should. <laughs> but as a sourcer for our team, I am going through candidates that have applied through our website, through Indeed, through CareerLink, looking at their resumes and then making matches with any open roles that we have. Typically with our client base, we will assist our internal HR team a little bit with any internal roles, but mainly we will focus on all external roles. So we are a boutique staffing firm within Lutz, which is an awesome, awesome extension of the Lutz business. Sure. So you see a lot of individuals that may or may not be experiencing burnout. Oh yeah. Because I think, you know, we talk, we say millennial burnout, but I think burnout in general you don't have to be 25 years old to deal with burnout. You can be yeah. 55 and deal with burnout, right? Yeah. I mean, definitely. It depends on the amount of hours people are working. I think that's a huge thing that we see. Or even just a boss that isn't appreciating the amount of work that's going into what they're doing. Or some people have just been in a role for 10 years and need a new challenge. And that's just their overall burnout. But sure. from a millennial perspective, I think it's a little bit more heightened just because, I don't know, I'm sure you can relate. We like challenges. We like to be pushed. Mm-hmm. We want to learn. We want to grow. And not every employer is willing to give that so easily. I think it, like you said, it's you know important to keep in mind that it's not just hours worked per week. I think it also has to do with the appreciation you're feeling, you know, or you've just been doing something for too long yeah. that can cause that feeling of burnout. Because I mean, you have someone that doesn't appreciate you or treats you poorly daily, they can make a 40 hour a week job feel like 65. Yeah. Vice versa, if you have someone that takes care of you, enjoys you and, and appreciates you and challenges you, you can make 55 hours a week. Yes. Not feel as bad as it think it would. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think it all comes down to leadership right? and what your potential manager how they lead, how they want to move things. And then it comes from an overall company standpoint. Is there little perks that are happening? Like, you know, we're lucky here at Let's to have some like free Fridays during the summer or, you know, we've got this really great snack kitchen. But just fun things like that or even just a more casual dress code, dress for your day. Those are things that I feel like millennials are really drawn to. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think that, They'll say, oh, we want unlimited PTO. But truly, when you say, oh, you can have unlimited PTO, millennials aren't going to be the ones that abuse that. Right. They're hard workers. and But it all comes from a leadership standpoint, too. Sure. 
Yeah, I mean, I think this could blossom into an entirely different discussion about the generational differences and how those mesh and how they don't mesh in certain instances. But I guess related to burnout, let's dig a little bit deeper into what causes burnout or the feeling of burnout or what do we kind of like to consider as burnout? In my own personal experience... Yeah, let's do that. I think that's better, easier to relate to. Okay. For instance, I can say in a previous role, Mm -hmm. I felt like I was giving so much Mm -hmm. and it wasn't being received. I would do a lot of different tasks, but I had a manager that would say, okay, great, but here's what you did wrong. Sure. Here's what you could have done differently. And not the type of person that needs a pat on the back every step of the way, but a simple thanks. Thanks for doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, that was great. I loved your idea on this. Maybe we could incorporate this here. That can go a long way for any person. And eventually I just felt myself Mm -hmm feel like I was getting pushed so far down into the ground that by the time I got home, it was affecting my overall home life. Sure. And I finally took a step back and said, okay, where's my happiness level? What's going on here? What needs to make a change? And I said, wow, I need to make a career change. I need to make a move because I'm not in a happy state of mind. And it was just that overall appreciation and lack of. One thing for me that I've experienced is... I was in a role where I was working, you know, it was, my shift was six to six for five days a week, right? So long days, but it wasn't like it was taxing, right? I wasn't Mm -hmm. pouring concrete for 12 hours a day, or I wasn't, you know, crunching numbers for 12 hours a day. I was in a management position in it, and it wasn't really the hours that were causing me the issues. It was that I never was explained why I was doing it for that long, right? So it wasn't... I think going back to what you're saying, it's not only how much you're doing or or how long it's taking you to do something, but help me understand why I'm doing it and what it's doing to affect the organization. What's my purpose? Right. What's my purpose? What's my small piece in the bigger picture? Mm -hmm. And do you want me to see if I can do it better or make it more efficient? Or, you know, it should be, you know, if you can get this job done in 10 hours a day. Right. Oh, great. That's fantastic. Can you make things better? Yeah. And it was just kind of the... The lack of, you know, explaining why things were done or what needed to be done a certain way that for me caused a lot of, a lot of anguish, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I just, I'll do it. I'll do it well. Just explain to me why we're doing it. Right. Yeah. One other thing that I actually experienced in my previous role was kind of along the lines of favoritism. I started as a favorite. I was promoted super quickly. I started in one role was promoted in six months and at my year anniversary is promoted again and you know as a millennial I was like whoa this is great I'm really moving through the ranks this is awesome and they approached me again with moving into more of a management piece and to be completely honest I was one of the younger youngest colleagues in the organization Mm -hmm. and I'll be honest, I was intimidated at the thought of managing people that were older than me and more experienced than me. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, I don't know if I'm ready for this quite yet. I want to get really, really good at the role that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. And I want to master this. And then I think that I would be really comfortable moving into this management role and being able to 
set expectations for others, be a mentor, and be really good at that. And when I went to my manager and said, hey, you know what, I'm not ready for this. I think I need to put a pause. All of a sudden, that favoritism was completely gone. I dropped so far into the ground. I wasn't getting good mornings. I wasn't... It was just, it was a total flip in what I had been experiencing in the last year. And which a piece of you is probably like, okay, when I decided that maybe it wasn't right for me, I'm sure that created more work for that superior, right? Right. They were looking for someone to move into that role. I mean, they always say, make your, your job is to make your boss's job easier. Right. Right. And when you determined that it wasn't maybe the right timing, that probably left a sour taste in their mouth, which is bizarre that that's how they would respond to it, you know, Mm -hmm. by treating you differently because you would think, oh, wow, this person is simply being very reflective on where they're at and if they're ready for the role and they're not, you know, afraid of the role, but they, they think maybe they would like to develop more. Right. You would think someone in a good supervisor managerial position would appreciate that. Right. And promote that and say, all right, yeah, let's give you some more time and then maybe just push you to hopefully want to make that decision sooner. Right. Instead of the opposite. Right. right. Yeah, it was something that I'd never experienced before in my life. And, yeah. and I mean, it was a reason that I ended up leaving the company. Mm-hmm. I, I just didn't feel that that was the best fit for me. And I knew that I could be somewhere where they're going to promote that positive learning and be ready for the growth when I'm ready for it. Right. And I mean, I love being pushed. I think mm-hmm. everyone does. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that I was being shown potential and learning and leadership opportunities. But I do think it's important for people to know that they're ready for it, not get too far into their over their head. Right. Managing's a big role. And well, absolutely. And the only person that knows if you're ready for that is you. Now, mm-hmm. like you said, I understand getting pushed. I think that someone mm-hmm. saying they're not ready for a role needs to take precedent over a superior thinking they need to push them. Right. 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 It's like, at the end of the day, I really don't know how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest with you and say, hey, come on, I know you can do better than this. Or not better, I know that you can move into a role that that requires more responsibility. Mm -hmm. And you say, no, I'm not quite ready for that. Okay, let's come back and let's talk about it here in a few months. Right. You know, and then I think it's just you're supposed to then manage the timeline at that point, not the end outcome. Yes. You know, which ultimately resulted in you leaving, which was far more expensive Mm -hmm. than keeping you where you were. Right. Right. Yep. That was probably the most unfortunate Yeah. form of burnout. Sure. That. So you got a promotion at six months. Yep. You got a promotion at a year. Mm-hmm. And then it was shortly after that that they said, hey, we want to move you to a managerial position. It was at my promotion at a year that they kind of brought up the opportunity. Got and it. I said, you know, that sounds exciting. I want to learn more about it. I started meeting with my manager more frequently to learn more about the duties and responsibilities they started moving me into a different territory Mm -hmm. so i could work with some other colleagues on a one-on-one basis Mm -hmm. and i actually got advice from someone in a different division and they said you need to be the ceo of your own career you be the ceo sure and it, it was kind of a thing where it was like Am I making that decision to make that next step? Or are they looking for someone to just fill the role because there's a missing piece? Right. And when I finally took those blinders off, 
I was like, I think I'm just being slid into the role. So how long after that year did you decide to leave after that second promotion? I left in August. Wow. And I started here. Wow. So it was quick yeah. turn. So your year was at in August. Or My year was in February. February. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then so, I mean, you, you, you lasted another six months or so. Yeah. Give or take. And yes. And then found a job quickly here. Yes. I interviewed on a Thursday afternoon. I had a second interview on a Tuesday morning. I had my offer the following Thursday. That's fantastic. Well, good for you. That's awesome to have you have you here. What were some of the things that you were feeling? Some of the symptoms, right? Because I think that identifying when you're feeling those things is important. The most that I felt was just drained. I would leave the office and I would sit in my car. And my natural thing to do after I get off work is I always call my fiance and we talk about our jobs and Mm -hmm. how the day went. So Mm -hmm. then when we walk in the door at home, we're not talking about work anymore. Right. We we leave work out unless someone's really pressing and my fiance is kind of on call 24-7. So if he has work calls, that's fine. Whatever. We deal with it. Right. But I felt that I would get home and I couldn't even move past it. Mm-hmm. Like I would just lay on the couch and I was just exhausted. Mm-hmm. I was mentally drained. I was physically drained. I didn't want to work out. I... Felt like I wasn't giving my best to even my family when I was talking on the phone with my mom, with my sister. I didn't enjoy talking about work to like friends. It was just a topic that I totally avoided. Mm-hmm. And I think it took me longer than I wish it did to realize that I was like that. I'm thankful that I just kind of took a step back and started assessing those different Things. And I think another thing that I noticed was the amount of turnover my division had. Sure. I was noticing that more and more people were leaving. And I was like, why are they leaving? Yeah. And, and it was people that had maybe been there longer than you. And right. like, wait, wait a minute. When am I? And it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, I think, in certain positions. Because some of the people that I would listen to or, or talk to at work were like, yeah, you know, it's you're just another one. Yes. You know, and I'm like, wait a minute. Yes. I'm just another one. Mm-hmm. What? You know, it, so maybe it's not me. Maybe it's you, you know, this yes. role that's leading to that. But yeah, no, the emotional drain, yeah. I think, is the hardest part. I mean, I echo the same kind of feeling. It, You know, I would get off work and, and I would call, talk to my dad or talk to a buddy about about work. And, and it was just complaining the whole time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm not a complainer. You know, right. there's, there's a difference, I think, between complaining and trying to discuss things that you see as not done as well as they should be. Right. Right. I get off work and I, I'll be on the phone and I'll say, God, this, you know, this needs to be done differently and this and this and this. And really that's just motivation and wanting to fix things. Right. But it was the, God, this guy sucks. Mm-hmm. This job sucks. I don't understand why this is done this way. Frustrated. You know, frustrated. Happened. Yeah. And yeah. it was, yeah, just the drain. Yeah. I felt that too, being on the phone and especially talking with my dad, who was a business owner, mm-hmm. third generation business owner, and I talked to him about different things that was happening in the workplace. And he would slowly say like, hey, that's not normal. Or hey, maybe talk to someone else. Or right. just giving me slight cues. But I think sometimes when you're in the moment and you're in a situation, you mm-hmm. don't really let those, it's like a relationship, right? Right. You don't let those things like get to you. And then finally, when you take all those blinders off and you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa, I had to do heck? something about this. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> yeah. But the exhaustion 
hands mm-hmm. off. That's. I was on the phone with my dad, and he, you know, he, his perspective, I think, that he normally took with me was to kick me in the ass and say, you need to work harder, you're not working hard enough, and that's the issue, right? It has nothing to do with the job, it's just work harder, mm-hmm. and I got to the point where I said to him, like, hey, man, that is not at all yeah, what I need right now. I'm done. I'm yeah. done with this. I'm done experiencing this. I Like you said, I'm not working out, and I was living alone in mm-hmm. Colorado. Right. No. So I had yeah, all the time. To- I had all, you know, well, I had buddies out there, but it was, you know, so time, like I'm much busier now being back home. Yeah. I've got stuff going on after work. And, mm-hmm. and what I realized was it's really, it's not the busyness that's exhausting because I feel like I actually get more done when I keep my schedule full of stuff. Right. It's the, totally the, the 12 way. hours of my day was taken up by this draining activity. And then, yes. you know, I had no energy to go work out or do anything fun outside of it. Yeah. It's like, I personally, I think that there's a perspective on jobs and careers that people of our parents' generation took where it's, you need to just work harder and deal with it because, you know, that's just what you do. Right. And my perspective is no. If you're not willing to put in the work yet, then you're probably lost cause, right? I mean, you have to put in a lot of work and work hard. Yeah. But if something truly is not working out for you mm-hmm. and you can find something else while, you know, in the meantime, yeah. do it. And you'll hear from from mentors and people of different generations. They'll say, well, wait a minute. That's just not how it was in my day. And I'll yeah. say, when was the last time you had to get a new job? 30 yes. years ago? You yeah. know, so this idea of understanding the workplace, believe me, I understand respect, hard mm-hmm. work determination those are values that will transcend generations but in terms of you know the environment of job searching and and being okay with switching roles i think it's don't do it if you can do it go yeah don't quit and just sit on your butt right but go find something different right i think it especially with millennials you know i graduated with a hospitality management degree Mm -hmm. and I'll tell anyone really that asks, like, I'll say, gosh, I kind of wish that I did something more specialized. So I would have known exactly what I wanted to do right out of college, like go to pharmacy school or become a nurse or be a teacher, you know, like those really. You had your track. You got the track. And I graduated and I was like, oh, crap, I have no idea what I want to do when I grow up. Right. Okay, well, I'm 21, 22, and uh, now i got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I'll be the first to say I've held one, two, three. I've held four jobs since I graduated college, and it's been five years. And if you were to ask someone like our parents or like our grandparents, they would say, holy cow, why are you doing that? But honestly, I think it's taken me that long to figure out exactly what I want to do with my life. And thank goodness, I think I finally found it. Right, um, I agree. Besides being a mom, because I totally want to do that. Right, but right. I think you have to figure out what you like and what you don't like and the company that you're going to fit into. Because sure. there's so many different things out there. And mentors, leaders, managers, you just you have to try things out before you find your perfect fit. Well, and I think, I think along that point i think the idea that you can put the time and effort and thought into figuring out what you want to do mm-hmm. is possible is, is quite frankly baloney i think what you can do is figure out what you don't want to do right right like you said by doing it and saying i don't want to work there mm-hmm. or i don't want to do that and 
being able to cross something off your list is almost more valuable than being able to think of what would I really love to do? Right. I think just getting out and trying it. I mean, I didn't go to school for technology. Mm -hmm. You know, I went to school for supply chain management, which is transportation and demand planning and Mm -hmm. resource planning and inventory management. Now I'm an account manager for a technology company. So it's being willing to make changes when you think that it's necessary Mm -hmm. and making that change after you feel like you've given it everything you can. Right. Right. I mean, just because something doesn't feel right or someone treats you poorly at one point doesn't mean that's time for a switch. Right. But when you can't do anything other than think about what you're doing and you don't like what you're doing, mm-hmm. then maybe it's time. Yeah. I think there's a fine line between, like you you've mentioned, like giving up and like really trying to do some self-reflection mm-hmm. and figuring out where that change change needs to happen. Because I think that's kind of where other generations can be upset with millennials. They'll say... Well, they're just giving up. They're not trying. And you've mm-hmm. touched on that. And I think it is, you need to sit down and think about what in your life is really giving you complete ful- fulfillment. Right. What, what's making you happy? What needs to get out? And even through everything that's going on in the world, like that's something that I'm continuously doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important for other people to do. What's bringing you happiness? Where Where's all that positive energy coming from? What do you need to flush out? And right. how can you make your career the best that you can make it. Sure. And I think it's important to keep in mind that work ethic does still rise to the top. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yes. putting in the effort and time necessary to learn how to do something well and then the time and effort necessary to do it well, right. that sometimes is going to take you 45 hours a week or 50 yeah. hours a week or 55. And we've got accountants yeah. that are working a lot of hours every week. That's no, you know, that's no secret to the public accounting world. Right. But look at a bell curve. You've got outliers on that bell curve. I mean, yeah. the top 1% are going to typically work more than 40 hours a week. Right. And then, you know, the, the bottom 1% are going to be willing to, only willing to do so many hours, you know, 30, 35 hours a week. So. Right. But I, th- I think it's important for people to just keep in mind, you know, you know, you got to work hard. You got to work hard. And this idea that as a generation, we don't work hard is bullcrap. And we all know it is. Yes. And we know that as a generation, the generations before us aren't, you know, I, I can't, I don't even want to throw out an yeah, <laughs> insult because I don't want to insult yeah. someone. But, you know, there's things that hold true. Work ethic, you know, yeah. passion, respect, you know. But there's a lot of jobs out there and there's a lot of potential employees out there. Right. right? I think that this... You know, there's a lot more people our age that have went to that have gone to college than people of the generation before us and the generation before them, right? So when you start to grow that sample size, I think the way you approach it changes. Yeah, yeah, and I think employers can do different things to really attract great talent too. How can employers avoid burning people out, and how do you think they can attract people? Yeah, I think. One, having a great internal culture. And I think culture is something that is really thrown around a lot. Like, oh, we've got a really relaxed culture. Okay, well, what We're does that mean? We're going to play hard. It's yes. like, all right, wait a minute. Yeah, like, what the heck does that even mean? Or, oh my gosh, we have the best snack room ever. Like, okay, well, I don't need the freshman 20 again. But yeah. I think one thing that's really... I'm going to be eating my pain away when I'm burnt out. Thank <laughs> yes, you. <laughs> yes, all the Snickers bars yeah, ever. Yeah. I think one thing that was big for me 
me that I looked for in my next employer was additional PTO. <laughs> I came from somewhere that had a standard two weeks and you, after I think it was like five years, you had more than that or something. But on the flip side of that, like you had to put in PTO for every little thing. Like you were leaving an hour early, okay, make sure you dock one hour for your doctor's appointment. Right. Or, right. oh, you're late, make sure you take an hour off, you know, right. like it was just very, stingy right i think if you can promote a workplace where it's like we get you've got life mm-hmm. you've got like i have a dog that's seven months old who has eaten like four socks has had an ear infection i came home today he's got a weird cough like i have a toddler at home and i have put so much dang money into this thing but thank goodness for my manager who understands that i have right. appointments right and he trusts that i'm going to get my work done and that's the thing though you're also willing to do what it takes to go the extra mile and get your work done around needing to go home yes yeah. and that sounds silly but you know what when you don't have kids they're my babies right no um, i get it i mean you know what are you supposed to do? yeah it's... and then i think an employer that promotes rest and recharge Take a vacation. Mm-hmm. Get away from your email. Don't check your email while you're on vacation. If there's something that comes up, forward it to a teammate and they'll handle it for you, no problem. Right. Don't I, go dark. Yes. Set your out of office. Yes. Make sure that your projects or things that are in flight are at least know that you're gone or where you're at or what's email going your on. Team. Email your team. Let everybody know if there's things that come up. Yes. I completely agree. Yeah. Like everyone should be able to go on vacation. Right. Take a break. Everyone needs to take a mental break like once to twice a year. I think that's what's really nice about our PTO at least yes. is, is we accrue PTO every month and right. cap. So it's I like totally agree. If you don't you use it at least, you know, go take a Friday off, go golfing, yeah. do this, do that. I mean No, I agree. The, I the, love how it works here. Yeah, the eight to five Monday through Friday and there's no wavering on that is I had a doctor's appointment the other week and that afternoon I was like, Hey guys, I'm gonna I'll be in around nine thirty if mm-hmm. I can. I made it in around 9.20, right? Yeah. But also, if I would have made it in at 10, no one would have given me a hard time about right. it. And I think with that, communication is key. Yeah. Like, you can never communicate enough to your managers or your team. Like, hey, guys, have something going on at the house. I'm going to be working from home. I'm on my laptop. I have my cell phone, and I'm on Teams or mm-hmm. whatever software you might use. Mm-hmm. Being an over-communicator can keep you out of trouble that way. But the more flexibility, I think, especially now... Right. With that really Especially going on. Now, right. Just that active, that progressive workplace is more important than ever. And like I said, I'll say that I say this all the time, but I think from the employee perspective too, if you're going to expect that flexibility, mm-hmm. then you need to be able to stay till five forty five yes. to get something done. It's the people that say, I expect to be able to come in when I want to because of a doctor's appointment, but oh you know, five o'clock hit, I'm out. It's yes. like, wait a minute, that's a two-way street. I mean, right. you can't, so yeah, it totally comes down to your relationships. I yeah, think. yeah, and I mean, if you have to work, a, if you work eight to three on Monday and then make it up by doing a seven to five on Tuesday, right. as long as you're getting your hours in, you're doing the best job that you can, mm-hmm. you're getting any goals or metrics that you might have with your manager, I think that flexibility is something that just keeps me engaged it keeps me going i know that i can schedule things and that life can happen but that i have an employer that supports my outside life i'm a cheer coach on the side i mean 
they all love hearing about all my cheer kid <laughs> stories. But it's fun. Like right. I I know that on Thursdays I have to leave a little bit early, but you bet your bottom dollar on Friday morning I'm here at seven, seven fifteen. Right. So yep. it's that healthy balance. Yeah. It's a lot easier to find that balance though when you're not chomping at the bit to leave yes. or or yes. you're just showing up when you're supposed to show up to hit the clock right you know i mean that for me at least i you know in the past it's just like you're sitting there it's four oh well, i'm gonna go i'm gonna take lunch at 12 30 or one because then i'll get back and it's already 1 30 or two yes. and then i've got two hours so i can pretty much check out because by then it's 4 30 and it's like well wait a minute all that time you spent thinking about getting out of here yeah you could have been productive yeah, I think on the flip side too, having a like mentors and someone that you can turn to. I think Lutz has a really cool program where pairing up new hires with shareholders and directors or managers mm-hmm. is a super cool forum that we have here. That smaller organizations, I mean, what Lutz is about 300 ish employees, right? Mm-hmm. So we're able to do that. And I think right. that's super cool. But even just having like a mentor in your outside life, like someone that you can talk to about your professional goals and how things are going at work. And I think that's important too as you're progressing in a career right well we've talked a lot about i think just general burnout and general workplace experiences i know we met we call it millennial burnout but i think it's just burnout yeah you know i think that the idea that you have to be 25 or 30 or 35 to experience burnout any differently than someone who's 40 45 50 yeah i think is wrong i mean the more we continue to talk about ourselves in terms of generations the the longer it'll take i think for us to understand each other yeah across the generations yeah i mean it's important and we all create a cohesive work environment and we can all gain a lot of knowledge and respect from one another the minute that you kind of stop thinking about those things like i have an awesome colleague steve gunther and he would hate me he's fine ever told you how old he was (laughs) but he has a ton of management experience he's been in the industry for six-ish years and I would be lying if we didn't feed off of each other. He always tells me I'm too tech savvy, and I tell him that he's too wise. (laughs) (laughs) Wise, that's a nice way of saying old. Don't say that. <laughs> no, you guys have um, an awesome team. Right? He's, but he, I mean, we're totally, we're two different generations and we work together so well. It's awesome. But that's a perfect example of sure. how we can all work together better. No, I agree. I agree. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experiences yeah. and, and your input on burnout and, mm-hmm. and, you know, what it looks like, how you can avoid it, how employers can avoid causing it. You know, I think, yeah, I think you're spot on. So thanks again. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Yep. You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to make light.